Welcome to Lee Summit Town Hall and our Friday conversation. With me today are Beverly Shuck and Julie Doan, family of the late Farrell Shuck, who was my friend, my boss, and a guy I was really scared of when I worked at the Lee Summit <laughs> Journal. They are here today because the Farrell Shuck family will serve as the Grand Marshal for this year's Emerald Isle Parade in downtown Lee Summit, which happens Saturday at noon. I hope everyone will brave the warmer weathers and maybe rain to come out and, and celebrate the parade. Julie, Beverly, I had you guys here because I just wanted to take some time to talk about Farrell. He was an incredible champion of our community and an incredible personality who made me laugh and cry and <laughs> want to fight and sometimes run and hide. Um, but he was awesome. And so I just thought I wanted to thank you guys for doing it. And I thought it'd be kind of fun maybe to come in and talk a little bit about Farrell for those that didn't know him, for those that don't remember what it was like when he was publisher and owner of the Lee Summit Journal. I thought we could take some time to to get to know Farrell again and let everybody know why we chose your family to serve as Grand Marshal this year. I'm going to start with you, Julie. Thank you for having us out here today. It's kind of fun to talk about our dad. My first record, well, I was eight months old when we moved here to Lee Summit. Everyone thinks I was born and raised, but I was eight months old. And the fun thing was that um, my dad, our dad had moved here before we all did. And so he would call my mom at a certain time every day. And the journal was right down there on 3rd and, and Main Street. And every time he called, she heard the train go by and she would say, Farrell, where are you taking us? <laughs> so um, that's a joke that I think even my my friends know. But every time I hear the train down here, I always think of, Farrell, where are you taking us? And here we are 54 years later and enjoying the community still. So when did he build what is now, well, I guess now the former Lee Summit Journal building, but what I know is the Journal building, which is 5th and Douglas. When did when was that built? When did it when did it move down there? Do you guys remember? <clears throat> Do you know how it happened? We well, were, it was a paint store is what I know. It was know. Coonrod's. Yeah. It was Coonrod's paint store. And we basically just traded buildings with them. We had another building that was down on, is that Main Street? Mm -hmm. Yes. Down. Um, Close to the railroad tracks. Yeah, yeah. It's an accounting firm, a brown building. Yeah. And so we just traded places with them. And that had to have been, gosh, maybe 1974, something around then. Yeah. Or was it before we... I don't know. Someplace, sometime around then. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But we do, I mean, all of us helped move stuff, yeah. and it was just down the road a block. But I remember all of us helping yeah. Dad move all that stuff in. Well, that reminds me, I, this was a family business. I, I think he, he made sure that everyone took part at least a little bit. You all, as children, there are two other children, Greg and Cindy, in between Beverly and Julie. So you all worked there? Had it was that was that did you know growing up that at some point I will be employed at the journal? <laughs> For me it was I just wanted to be employed. <laughs> she always worked. I always wanted to be employed because to me employment meant Money. Um, independence. <laughs> Money. <laughs> so I would um throw papers when my brother couldn't do it. I would typeset, I would proofread, proofread for years, and then um I became a receptionist after high school and then later the circulation manager. So I I just wanted to be employed, I guess. <laughs> and Greg always um, had a newspaper route, yeah. which we always helped him because he 
played baseball in the summer. So yeah. how did he get that done without his sisters? But um, And then Cindy and I, from when I was sixth grade all the way through high school and college, and even when after I got married, I cleaned the journal every Sunday. They were penned the C&J Cleaning C&J Company. C&J Cleaning Company. <laughs> and Dad bait us. But, um, I hated the few times you all couldn't do it. Though. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and on my wedding day, I think Cindy and Bev both did it because I was just going to do it. But um, anyway, so that's kind of fun. That would have been a weird way to, to tell your, your, your fiancé that you were going to be late to the ceremony. Yeah. <laughs> he actually helped me after we got married. So... <laughs> Well, tell me a little bit about what um, about his role in the community and what that meant to to him to to be involved and to always be a, a champion for the community. He was he was instrumental in setting up what is now a a thirty year old downtown Lisa Main Street. He he did a lot of different things. What what did that mean to him? And and did it did it pass on to you guys? He was heavily involved in the community. I, Early on, it was the um, Jackson County Fair that we had here in um, Lee Summit, and our sister, the nice one, uh, she was the last Jackson. Wait, wait, you're not the nice one? No. Um, (laughs) She was the last Jackson County Fair queen, I think, uh, summer of 1978. So he was heavily involved in JC's. Then the Cole Younger days um, came upon us with the 100th year of the journal. So 1981, there was a big festival. And I don't really know how it was dubbed the Cole Younger days, but um, it was very hard to sell a bank into the Cole Younger days tabloid because he was a bank robber. But um, (laughs) so that kind of coincided with that. He just has always been heavily involved in the community. I remember when I first started after college, he told me two things. You get involved in the community, and you're going to take the Dale Carnegie course. And I said, I'll get involved in the community, and you're paying for the Dale Carnegie course. So that was a big thing to him. How often did you get away with telling him what was going to happen? Wait, you're the baby of the family. Right. (laughs) Right. And (laughs) a chip off the old block. Um, We we, I mean, we just had fun. We had, I, yeah. I don't know if we ever really got in trouble. but no. And I don't ever really even being afraid of him. I think some yeah. of the people I worked with around the journal might have been somewhat afraid of him. But uh, he's our dad, you know. Yeah. <laughs> he had a sweet spot. Yeah. But we also felt like we needed to make sure we did our jobs. Right. What was it like working with him at at the journal, was it just was it the same as as the rest of your family life? Was there a, was there a difference in in how you interacted when you were in the building? I mean, we were always taught to raise people with respect, so we would just respect the position and go on about our business. I mean, it wasn't anything. Yeah, I mean, I was in advertising after I graduated from college. Yes, and, I remember your yes, role. Yes, I know. <laughs> and so we're the ones that made the money so that you could write the stories. <laughs> but um, I do remember him never saying anything about deadline because he knew that I might come in five minutes before, but I would get it done. And so I don't know. We just I think it is respect. Yeah. I think we talk about respect a lot now. And um, so. Well, and I remember going 
toe to toe to him, and he would say exactly what you just said. Yeah, it's advertising. We pay for the space for you to <laughs> for you to write. And but I will also credit those fights with with the fact that I was able to move on into other parts of the paper where 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 I was on the management side. I was a publisher for a little while. But it was because of those those fights that I had with him, and we'd go back and forth. And and you know, when I was twenty three, I didn't get that he was really just poking my button and and, <laughs> and trying to make me mad. Yeah. But it, but what I learned, what I realized later was was that he loved the whole the whole paper, yeah. everything about it, and everything it represented. And that kind of eventually settled into me, where I, with a perspective of seeing how it all fit together. And the role it plays in in a community, and I just I, I won't forget that I won't forget a lot of the other stories that we may or may not be able to tell, <laughs> exactly. you know, with with recorders on. But but that played a, a big part in my career path as Good. I moved forward. He was almost fifty years in the newspaper business. Mm-hmm. I think he was like two years shy of that. Um, but he started with the Omaha World Herald and being a newspaper boy for his hometown, McCook, Nebraska. Tell me if I'm wrong on that story. Oh, but right. um, So he always loved the newspaper business. He did almost every aspect. I mean, he wrote his aw shucks weekly and... Took a little road to get here, though. You know, he started in McCook, Nebraska, and he married my mom, and then he had a job offer up in Miles City, Montana. And so that's where I was born. And then he... Um, Got a job offer in the Omaha World Herald. And this was all in advertising. But his first real opportunity to handle the whole newspaper was at the Lee Summit, at the Lee Summit Journal. So I know he did love the all part all parts of it. But he knew where the money came from. <laughs> you know, I, I, I feel like nothing's changed in the last 20 <laughs> years, Julie. Um, well, you know... I also think of how he did. He related with other people, and and when when the the paper was sold and and Farrell retired, two publishers later, Steve Kurd came in, and your dad did not have a uh, innate fondness for the Kansas City Star companies who, who, who purchased the the journal. However, there was a time I'll never forget this when when Steve Kurd came to me and he says. I think I'm okay now. I got Farrell's approval. <laughs> and he showed me he showed me a, a cartoon, a little card from Farrell, and all it said on it was give him hell, Farrell mm-hmm. Shuck. And that was that was a trademark we all kind of remembered hearing from him at, at some point or another. It's kind of funny how we were raised because I guess if it's wrong, we're we want to say that that sounds wrong to me, you know, and I, <laughs> I see that in my daily life now too. But um, yeah, he loves to give people hell. I think a couple of the n- newspapers came in town, and once they were dead, he would frame them and he put them on the wall. <laughs> so I don't know if that means give them hell. <laughs> but he just um, had a very competitive nature. Yeah. I think. But he was also a gentleman yeah. and very much of good character. I mean, he was a character, but he had good character. So That wasn't the only funny line that he was known for saying. You, at, at, his, at his funeral service, you gave a nice little talk about another phrase that, yeah. that you remember as a child, and you still use it as a little mantra today. I'm going to ask you if you can, if you can tell that story again, because I think it, it really describes 
who he was and and how his character both as a caricature and his character, how it really played into into his life and his perspective on the community. Yes, he always had a great saying, and he would say it with the sign of a cross, so some people thought it was very religious, but it um, it went like this, and I'm not bilingual, but illegitimus non carborundum, and it meant don't let the bastards grind you down. And today, that's how I live. I think I say that once a day, just in my head, not thinking everyone's that word but it's just how i live my life what is what does it mean i guess to you or what do you think it meant to him why would he why was did that become a mantra in his life do you think i think he just kept going on i mean if he uh, he probably offended some people at some point <laughs> or he made somebody upset but um he if he did he probably would apologize cuz he was pretty apologetic but he would also just mean don't let them grind you down. Just keep going, keep going, keep going of what you think is right. That's kind of how I took it. I mean, he had very humble beginnings. And yes, it, uh, you know, his dad had a chili parlor in this little town of Guide Rock, Missouri. I mean, Guide Rock, Nebraska. And the chili parlor um, was very successful. Then all of a sudden, the town wanted to tax the chili parlor. And his dad couldn't make it. So then his dad went on to do something else, you know, and something else. So it was just keep on going. Um, he had some really great um, jobs too. He used to um, sweep up the what what was that bar called? The Olympia. The Olympia in McCook, Nebraska, and then they also made candy canes. So he would make candy canes. Well, when he was 15 years old, it, half of it was candy store and the other half was a bar. He would make candy and and sweep up the the sweep up the candy sorry sweep up the candy. Um, the floors of the candy shop, and then he would serve beer, beer at 15. You, yeah. <laughs> so so people get off the train track. So he yeah. worked hard, and um, I recently took him to his 67th class reunion, I guess a couple of years ago, but um, they said that they all knew that Dad worked before he went into school, um, and he was the only kid that had to work, you know, to, to just make a little money to help his mom. Um, but, yeah, he just started from very humble and just kept working at it. Well, since since you are you are walking in honor, or or I guess your your mom Janice is mm-hmm. going to be writing. Right. You're not going to make her walk, but in his honor as Grand Marshal of our parade, I kind of want to ask each of you, what would you hope that people remember, or those that are newer to town should know about your dad, about Farrell, and and about what the community meant to him. And I'm gonna I'm gonna start with you, Julie. Okay. Um, what the community meant to him, it was a big family. I mean, at the time growing up, we couldn't walk into a restaurant and dad wouldn't know everyone. I mean, my kids think that of me now, but it's not half of what, like, how my dad was. In fact, I also remember if there was a booth that my mom would sit to the back of the door so that my dad could see everyone walking in. But I just think um, he was community. He was well-respected, plus he gave respect. And I guess um, I guess that's why he has a bench down on the whistle stop, just because of his storytelling, and um, he was he loved this community. Beverly? <clears throat> okay, this may be a little hard. <laughs> he, he did love his community, and even over the last several years when he couldn't get out and about, he loved being out in the community and um, just driving around. So I don't know. I may have to stop this a little bit. That is absolutely okay. 
I, I, I'll actually say, tell you, tell you my, 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 the last time I got to see Farrell was, uh, I was, I was up at the Dew Drop Inn and we were talking with Sue, the owner, and we were, we were telling Farrell stories. And we just happened to be, be talking about that. And all of a sudden we look in the back and there's your mom standing there inside the back door. <laughs> and she says, well, Farrell's out and I just thought I'd bring him out to see some people. He's outside. So we all got to walk out into the uh you know, to the sidewalk and, and lean in and talk to him and and you know, he he couldn't really talk much near the end, but that smile was still ornery and still a little bit frightening. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, even though he didn't get to he didn't get to say much in response, it was I, I won't forget, and I'm very grateful for that last opportunity yeah. just to get to get to talk to him and thank him for for the time that we spent together and and a friendship. My first night at the journal, my first first night putting the paper out, paper to bed. I'm 22, 23 years old. I, I, sometimes I'm, I have an ego, Julie. I don't know. I, I think I, I think I know everything. <laughs> I'm laying out the paper. I'm sitting at my desk. I don't remember what exactly I was doing or what I was working on. But he he comes in and sets a bottle of beer on my desk and sets one on the desk next to me. And he sits down and he he just looks at me. Time you know the rules of the game, son. And he and he he told me about the journal and 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 what was expected of me as a part of the journal family. And then for the next three hours, while I built that paper. I got war stories. I got 40-some years of the <laughs> newspaper business, and all I could think of was, wow, and I want to beat this guy. That's how that's how I met Farrell, and, and that, that moment has always stuck with me, and now I've been in media now for 20-some years, and it's just I always remember that story. Very cool. I want to ask you, Beverly, what is one of your best memories of your dad? Gosh, there's so many, but <clears throat> two days before he passed away, um, we were going to Lee Summit Symphony, and he was on one side of the kitchen. I was on the other side, and I give him a thumbs up. I said, hey, Dad, you ready to go? And he gives me two thumbs down. <laughs> and I said, Dad, are you being ornery? He says, I sure hope so. <laughs> and he, you know, he had the best time at the symphony, and then we went to Hula Hands, and um, he had a glass of wine and a steak dinner, and he was loving life. And to me, that's the best way to be. So, Julie, I know you have a million stories, and you 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 like to tell them. But is there one? Is there one maybe that stands out that you'd like to share so that people can can know who he was? Wow, that's tough. I should have been thinking instead of listening to that story. <laughs> um. Gosh, there are a lot of stories. One story that comes to mind was um, we could go into the FINA gas station and fill up our cars and put it on Farrell's um, tab. <laughs> what is FINA now? It's uh, it's a glass company yeah, right. right across from the cemetery. Third in Independence. And so we just, I mean, I had a friend in high school that worked there, and I could just pull up and he'd fill up my gas tank. But... Um, one month, I guess mom and I filled up a little too much, and he came home yelling how much his gas bill was, and I felt, oh my gosh, I'm getting in trouble, but so is my mom. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it made it all easy, but um, kind of funny stories. Um, 
again, I was the baby of the family. So when I was in high school, everyone else was out of the house. And one time I specifically remember um, uh, mom and I wanted to go shopping, probably court warming dress or something. But um, so we went to the dewdrop because if dad was in the dewdrop, then he had to give us money to go shopping. So um, we uh, went shopping on dad's bill but and he still always calls it shoplifting yeah <laughs> well like we'll call and we'll say where's mom oh he, she's out shoplifting believe me my mom would not shoplift but it was kind of a joke but and then every time we'd come home we'd have to show him what we bought and he's like oh he didn't care what we bought or what it looked like but anyway he was pretty fun fun dad well, I appreciate you guys coming on and giving us a little glimpse of your perspective of who he was and letting me tell a few stories too. You know, our Friday conversations, we just started a new segment we're trying to call in. It's a little bit called I Am Lee Summit. And and so we want to tell the stories of the people that, that make up this this great place that we call home. Lee Summit is 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 an anomaly, I think. I've, I've had the pleasure of working in and around communities all through the Midwest. And there are similarities among them all, but it's rare that you find a community that's grown as quick as this one has, as we now look pushing 100,000 people, but can still feel like a tiny little town where we can go sit at Whistle Stop or the Dew Drop or Neighborhood Cafe, and you're going to know at least 15 people in the first 10 seconds you walk in the door. And that's a cool thing, and there's just there's a lot of good people. So we're trying to go out and meet as many of them as we can, tell as many stories as we can. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank for, you for, for sitting us. in on this one. Make sure to catch every episode of Lee Summit Town Hall every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or really whatever flavor of podcast app you have. They, they work for them all. <laughs> we will talk to everyone on Monday. Hey, Jason. I am not as round as I used to be. You are actually. I want to say this for the for the record here. I have noticed. Gosh, thanks, man. You know what? I hit two fifteen. I started on January first, two hundred thirty-seven pounds. Wait, let me do the math. That's twenty-two pounds. Yeah. You've lost weight, my friend. I have. That's and it's nearly ten percent. And it's because of our friends. At Shred. Shred. So, look, you've made fun of me and my arm injury. I, I'm not working out yet. Do a little, little bike riding every once in a while. My physical therapy. So, all I'm doing, meal planning. They've helped me with my meals, my meal prep. 22 pounds. Does your meal planning include, like, a lot of cheeseburgers? No. I, actually, the cheeseburgers have been thrown away. I, I, I missed that. I'm not sure I'm going to buy in if I can't have... Well, actually, I don't even eat that much cheeseburgers, Look, but... Here's the thing Here's the thing I like is is Ryan Waters and his crew at Shred, it's really all about helping you make, make good choices and change your lifestyle. To change that way, it's, it's not as intimidating as it seems. If you're like me and you're not... Look. Look, I'm saying Ryan I, is pretty intimidating. He is. But, you know, look, I haven't been in a gym since the 90s, really, right? Mm-hmm. So I go by there. I see Ryan. I see his buddies that work there. I see the people that go in and out there. It was intimidating. Why would I want to do that? You go meet them. They're supportive. It's about a lifestyle change. And 
to help you do what you need to do. 22 pounds later. 22 pounds later. So thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Shred. Everybody else, go down there and see him. Tell him Jason and Nick sent you.